Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, we got a, uh, a pretty good ACC championship game we got to talk about here. We're, again, we're a couple days late. Scheduling has been a pain as we've gotten around the holidays here, but... Uh, this was a, a great game. I really wanted to talk about. Uh, we got a few other things we're going to get into in the show. As far as we got a couple of Heisman finalists, got a uh, a bowl lineup. We got to talk through. Uh, but first of all, you had the uh, the trip to Boston this weekend, maintaining your uh, your world traveler status. How did uh, how that turn out? The trip to Boston was really really good. Um, I got up there, started the trip up. We drove, um, you know, my family, my girlfriend got up there. Um, to Connecticut on Thursday night and then into Boston on Friday morning, so that was cool. I uh, caught the Boston Celtics game on Friday night, which was fantastic. Um, and then saw some family Saturday, and then Sunday went to the Pats game. They played the Rams. It was a blowout, but hey, it was good. They covered 13 and a half. They, they did. I have a feeling you might have had some money invested in that. Um, and even if you didn't, you do the line, so what the hell, right? Um, so, yeah, so they covered, so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, but I came back, I got bronchitis, so that's a real pain in the ass. But besides that, I'm doing all right, I'm hanging in there. How was, uh, how was your weekend? Uh, bronchitis, it makes for good podcasting. I, uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, my weekend was good. I, I was able to watch the game uh, for the most part. We were at a... Uh, friends get together kind of thing for a Christmas party of sorts and uh, although I don't know how much of a Christmas party it was because they're Jewish so was, that's a whole thing but anyways uh, they you know I asked at one point during the SEC championship game if I could you know flip football on their TV and they said yeah you know sure whatever and then I tortured everybody around as Alabama was murdering Florida um, but then the uh, the ACC championship game came on and we got to kind of monitor that for a while so I, I didn't get to watch intently I was trying to be like socially acceptable but uh you know it was uh, it was still it was good and uh, i was glad i was able to kind of keep up with that while maintaining a uh, a social appearance i guess nice nice <laughs> i did more of the same because of course i you know i'm seeing family but you know the game's on so and it's my school playing in it so you know i had to catch it naturally no matter where i'm at um i've yeah, just gotten but, used to it at this point just people looking at me like is it really that important to watch the game? Like, yes. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like nobody really understands. Like, they're like, why, why do you still watching football? Like, you, people just don't get it. Um, and I've quit trying to explain it to them. I was like, I podcast, I write, I just enjoy watching one of the greatest sports on earth. So it's just one of those things not a lot of people understand. Lucky for me, you understand, and that's why we have this podcast. Well, I was going to say, we, we watch football at this point so that our readers and listeners don't have to. That's right. Um, speaking of actual football, um, 
Yeah, so let's get into this uh, ACC championship game, Mike. Uh, number three, Clemson, 42. Number 23, Virginia Tech, 35. Um, this was a really valiant effort, I thought, from the Hokies in, in a kind of a couple of points. Um, Clemson came out in this game and scored touchdowns in their first three drives. They went nine plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 83 yards, touchdown. Ten plays, 75 yards, touchdown. And at that point, you're watching a Bud Foster defense just get picked apart like it was nothing. And in a weird way, you had to wonder if Virginia Tech was going to get a stop the whole game. I mean, at that point, they trailed 21-7. to uh, Luckily, they scored another touchdown going into halftime. They did get a few stops, and uh, it was 21-14 at the half. Clemson comes out of halftime and uh, throws an interception on their second play before scoring t- two more touchdowns. They go up 35-14 in the second half, and at that point, really kind of thought that Virginia Tech, without anybody blaming them, could say, you know what, this is the national runner-up and the Heisman runner-up, and they're on their way back to the playoff, and we're down by three touchdowns, and we've had a good season under a first-year head coach, and it's just it's not happening, you know, and kind of fold up the tents and say, forget it. But that's not what they did, Mike. They... Uh, they scored touchdowns on two straight drives, pulled within 35-28, and eventually 42-35. And, you know, defense kept getting some stops here and there, and Virginia Tech had the ball late in the game, working their way down the field uh, before finally an interception kind of put an end to things. Overall, a really gutsy and resilient effort from the Hokies in this game, I thought. Yeah, uh, so... You know, to your to your point, Clemson goes up early, a couple scores, and I thought there was a lot going against the Hokies early in this game. A couple 50-50 pass interference calls on third and long that kept the defense on the field, and then Clemson was able to capitalize. Um, notably, the two touchdown drives there, the one with about six minutes left in the first quarter and the one that started the second quarter, where Watson found Jordan Leggett twice um, on, on two touchdown passes there. Those were both aided by pass interference calls on Virginia Tech that were 50-50. Um, there, there was one there uh, on that second um, on that second Jordan Leggett touchdown uh, a couple plays before that where Brandon Faison was called for a more obvious pass interference, but still one that was pretty frustrating just as a Virginia Tech fan to be watching because you saw a couple of real 50-50 calls go against Virginia Tech there, um, not only earlier in that drive, but in the drive before that as well that Clemson had when they scored with about six minutes left in the first quarter. Um, so with all that being said, Virginia Tech didn't stop fighting in this one. So it's 14-0 Clemson. Virginia Tech scores to make it 14-7. Jordan Leggett uh, catches, a t- catches a second touchdown pass of the game from Deshaun Watson early in the second quarter. And that's where it all started to turn because Virginia Tech, what looked like it was going to be three and out, Justin Fuente, at their own 37-yard line, calls for a fake punt, and Mitchell Ludwig throws a pass to defensive back Terrell Edmonds, who's streaking across the middle of the field wide open. Was it was actually awesome. it was crazy because um, it, it was a discussion about whether or not Terrell Edmonds touched the ball or, or received the ball behind the line of scrimmage. It ended up being reviewed for about two and a half minutes. The whole issue was if he ended up catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage from Mitchell Ludwig, it's kind of hard to explain without seeing it. But if he caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage, then Virginia Tech should have been called with illegal man downfield because they had a couple linemen up the field to block. Well, Terrell Edmonds caught the ball past the line of scrimmage. After a long review, it all ended up being moot. So Virginia Tech picks up the first down on that play. 
Um, they end up going in and scoring there to make it 21-14 to right before halftime. I thought it was a huge turning point in the game there because it gave Virginia Tech some positive momentum to close out the first half. And then the second half started. Virginia Tech gets the ball first. They go three and out. Clemson quickly scores. Wayne Gallman, I thought he had a great game. I think he had 85 yards rushing, but he had a pair of touchdowns. Um, he was huge in this game, I thought, just from a balanced perspective for a Clemson offense. Um, so he scores, and then Virginia Tech has to punt again. Deshaun Watson goes in and scores, and all of a sudden, with about four minutes left in the third quarter, it's 35-14. You're thinking, okay, Virginia Tech, nice season, like you alluded to there in the opening. It's like, well, pat yourselves on the back. You guys had a great run. Well, um, Gerard Evans and Trayvon McMillan had something to say about that because just when you think Virginia Tech's dead and buried, they go right up the field. And about two minutes later, after that Deshaun Watson touchdown run to make it 35-14, Virginia Tech quickly scores um, a real short drive in which Trayvon McMillan ended up scoring on a 27-yard run to cut the lead to 14. And then Virginia Tech actually got a stop on defense, which was a miracle considering how the second half started. They couldn't stop Clemson worth anything. Um, they were able to get a stop there. Gerard Evans later scored to start the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, it was 35-28. We had a ball game. Um, and just like that, you know, Deshaun Watson trying to make a late push for the Heisman. Throws an excellent touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro. Makes it 42-28. Back and forth we go. Virginia Tech goes right back up the field again. Gerard Evans hits Cam Phillips on a wheel route. If you had the over, by the way, we hit it. Um, it was 42-35 at that point. Um, Virginia Tech got another stop on defense, but as you alluded to, they were driving down the field to try to tie the game. Um, and Clemson came up with a huge stop. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, came up with a huge stop. Virginia Tech drove in deep into Clemson territory. I think Virginia Tech had the ball at the Clemson 28-yard line with about two and a half minutes to go. Um, and, and there were just a bunch of issues on offense there. The offensive line couldn't hold a couple incomplete passes. And then Gerard Evans was under heavy pressure on fourth down and kind of had to lob it up and it got intercepted there uh, to end the game and, and really end Virginia Tech's uh, hopes of getting to a New Year's Six Bowl game as well. So valiant effort for Virginia Tech. I mean, they could have easily folded up, but we saw some of that resilience that we saw in the Notre Dame game when Tech went down 17 early in that one. We saw some of that same fight there, which is extremely encouraging when you're on that big of stage against one of the top four teams in the country now as Clemson's heading to the college football playoff. So as a Virginia Tech fan, it's hard not to be pleased with the performance, even though the Hokies came up on the short end, um, uh, on the short end of the game, short end of the stick. And overall, it's been a really successful year one for Justin Fuente, that's for sure. As you mentioned, Mike, the, yeah, so Clemson <coughs> going to the college football playoff, of course, is the uh, number two seed. Um, they'll take on Ohio State. We'll get there here in a little while. Uh, I wanted to mention Gerard Evans. I thought that he he had a really you know gutsy effort in this game. Um, Virginia Tech had a lot of problems blocking the Clemson front, which is not shocking. You know, it's not so much a a uh, a memo on the Virginia Tech blocking as much as it is the Clemson defense. The, the Tigers' defensive line has given everybody problems this year, and so. It's a little bit to be expected, and so he, had, you know, Gerard Evans struggled for time to throw, for room to run, everything throughout the game, uh, and he he hung in there and made a lot of really good throws throughout the game. Um, Corderia Tankersley, Corderia Tankersley. Uh, there you go. Nailed sorry. it. Uh, yeah, you're the one coughing. I'm the one that can't talk. Um, Corderia Tankersley comes away with two picks in this game. That was a big performance from him. Deshaun Watson, really the big thing going for Clemson. 23 of 34, 288 and three touchdowns with one pick. 
He also had 17 carries for 85 yards and two touchdowns. As we kind of expected, they, they took the reins off a little bit for him running the ball. Um, you mentioned Wayne Gallman. He finished 17 carries for 59 yards and a touchdown, which I'm not going to be shy in saying I find that totally underwhelming from your second team All-ACC back. Yeah, sorry. I thought it was 85 yards rushing, but 59 yards rushing is less, so sorry. Yeah, Watson had 85. There you so. go. There you go. That explains that. Um, yeah, I guess both of them were technically second team All-ACC, wouldn't Yeah, that sounds right. They were. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, one of them was a quarterback. The other one had less rushing yards. That's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, the Wayne Gallman was... hater over here. Hey, no shame. I'm fine. I love I you know it's weird because as a uh, as a guy who went to a school and cheers for a team that would consider Clemson a rival, I actually like Clemson. I cheer for Clemson in a lot of cases. I'm not a fan of Wayne Gallman. I'm not a fan of Ben Boltware. Those are the two guys that I'm not I'm not on you know in with that. So that's fine. But uh, overall, I mean, it was a good effort from Clemson. Good effort from Virginia Tech. I thought these teams put on a show. You know. Showed up for the, you know, did, did a nice job putting on a show for the conference. Um, I predicted that this game would be, I think, a 38-31 win for Clemson. It ended up 42-35, so it's kind of right in that same range. Uh, as you mentioned, it went over the total. Um, yeah, I thought this was a good game. It was a fun one. Uh, they did a nice job representing the conference on the national stage. And uh, I don't think either team has anything really to be ashamed of here as Clemson's headed to the uh, college football playoff to represent the conference. Yep, and, you know, I think this also had the feel uh, just like the 2015 ACC championship game between Clemson and North Carolina, kind of a back and forth. You thought Clemson was going to run away, then they didn't. Then North Carolina fought back in. They ran it to the very end. I mean, it had a lot of the same feel here in this game as well. Yep, that was something else that we kind of talked about was how as dangerous as <laughs> Clemson looked last year, um, they uh, – they still, you know, kind of gave North Carolina a game last year. Um, same thing kind of happened here. You know, figured that, you know, Virginia Tech falls to 9-4. and four. They had three other losses this year. But um, Clemson, you know, kind of took most of the game to really slam the door. So, um, again, a good, resilient effort from the Hokies. But, Mike, as we mentioned, uh, Deshaun Watson had a really good game and may, kind of made a push for the Heisman Trophy we should probably talk about the fact that he uh, is one of two Heisman Trophy finalists from the ACC, uh, joining the obvious runaway favorite right now, Lamar Jackson of Louisville, obviously. Uh, both guys have had big years. I think that they both are deserving. I think they have been, obviously, two of the best players in the country. I, I don't think that anybody's kind of uh, looking at them sideways for either of them being there. I think it's very well-deserved. Uh, if there's one guy in the conference that I thought maybe could be invited that wasn't, and I mean, I'm not going to be upset that he wasn't, but I thought you maybe could have made a case for who was deserving. Uh, it was Dalvin Cook. I thought that that might have been a an option there. He started the season slow. The first three games of the year, he had 91, 83, and 54 yards. And then his final nine games of the year, only one of them did he not go over 100 yards rushing. Yep. Uh, and he had multiple 200-yard games. He he was on fire and scored 16 touchdowns in those nine games. Dalvin Cook uh, was a big reason that Florida State was able to get things turned around this year after a bit of a bumpy start. I thought you could have maybe made an argument for him to be a, a Heisman finalist here, Mike, but 
ultimately, I, I kind of think we all know who's going to win at this point, and, and I'm perfectly happy with Jackson and Watson being able to represent the conference there in New York. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think Dalvin Cook is a, a guy, if you had to pick one that, you know, didn't make the uh, final cut to go to New York, but maybe could have. I mean, Dalvin Cook, I think, is the real obvious choice out of the ACC, but I'm with you. I mean, there's just nobody, really, that's going to even come close to what Lamar Jackson has done this year, and you know, a lot of people have been making the argument this week, um, especially coming off of the ACC championship performance where Deshaun Watson played so well, you know, accounted for five touchdowns and, you know, had a really strong finish to the year and saying, hey, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson's more deserving than we think. And, and you, know, you know, you go back to it and he really struggled, comparatively speaking, to last year. I mean, he had a really good year. You look at Watson's numbers. I mean, he deserves to be in New York. Nobody's going to argue that. But when you compare what he did this year to what he did last year, he has taken a step back, specifically in the interception category, where he's thrown uh, 14 interceptions this year. Uh, that That's a blemish there that, you know, is going to be tough to overcome, especially when you consider that Lamar Jackson's put up solid numbers all year long, kind of stumbled to finish a little bit, as did his team. But he built up such a huge momentum, um, momentum swing, starting from really the Florida State game, where Lamar Jackson had his Heisman moment, doing what he did in that game on national stage in a blowout against what everybody assumed was one of the top teams in the country at that point, Florida State. Doing what he did to them on national TV was huge towards his Heisman candidacy. And Jackson really carried that momentum throughout the rest of the year. Um, and, and when you consider Deshaun Watson, he had a strong close to the season, but look who he was playing. I mean, he played Wake Forest. He played South Carolina. He played a good Virginia Tech team in the ACC championship, but you know, if you consider the opponents in the last month, Virginia Tech's the best defense he played. It wasn't until the last week of the season. So, to me, it's Lamar Jackson through and through. He's leading in nearly all statistical categories anyway. He's a guy that, you know, maybe hasn't had the team success that Deshaun Watson has. I think that's been the biggest argument towards why Deshaun Watson should be considered uh, more for his candidacy for the Heisman. But I think when you look at Lamar Jackson's season, it's pretty difficult to, to dispute that he was the best player in college football this year. And he's looking like he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. I, I don't want to make this out like I think that Lamar Jackson is some perfect player because I don't. Um, he, I think he very clearly has room for improvement and there are things that he can do better, you know, physically as well as maybe mentally and uh, things like that. But um, I do think that Lamar Jackson is kind of a case of a really, really good player that a lot of times did get let down by his teammates, especially later in the year. Uh, the Louisville defense giving up 41 points to Kentucky, that, that kind of says something. Um, the, the level of blocking that he didn't get in the Houston game, I mean, again, there are things that Lamar Jackson could very clearly do better, but what he was able to produce given sometimes the, the level of help that he wasn't getting from his teammates is, is really amazing. Um, 30 passing touchdowns, 21 rushing touchdowns. Uh, I believe he's top 10 in the country in rushing yards, just straight up, and that's with running backs and everybody else. Yeah, he currently ranks 8th and is 2nd in the conference behind Dalvin Cook. That is that is nothing short of amazing. It's, it's incredible. Um, he, he's had a great year. Mike, if I told you that somebody was going to win the Heisman, not named Lamar Jackson, and realizing that the other four finalists at this point, we've got Deshaun Watson of Clemson, uh, Baker Mayfield and D.D. Westbrook of Oklahoma, 
and Jabril Peppers of Michigan. If I told you that one of those four was going to win the Heisman, who would you put your money on? I'd put my money on Deshaun Watson. Um, I think so. Just because he's the quarterback. I mean, I think Jabril Peppers is probably the best player out of that group. But there hasn't been a defensive player win the Heisman since Charles Woodson from Michigan in the 90s. It's been a long time. Um, It just really doesn't happen much anymore. And because Deshaun Watson had such a strong close to the year, I mean, if you were going to take Lamar Jackson out of the equation, it'd be hard not to give it to Watson, considering what he did over the last month. Because, I mean, it's not his fault he played crap-ass games last month, right, up until uh, they played in the ACC championship game. So, um, you know, he doesn't make the schedule. He just plays, you know, goes out and plays and does what he's supposed to do. But the 14 interceptions are are what's doing him in um, on the – if you bring Lamar Jackson back into the equation. so, But but if it was just those four that you mentioned, I, I think it would probably be Deshaun Watson, but Jabril Peppers probably would have a strong case to make if you had just those four um, going going head-to-head, to-head-to-head, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I I think that the, uh, the invitation of the quarterback-wide receiver combo out of Oklahoma is kind of a weird one. Like On some level, I feel like you need to pick one. Uh, just because it feels a little bit like the snake eating its tail kind of thing of you know the guy that's throwing the ball and the guy that's catching the ball like one of them should get credit more so than the other maybe but they couldn't uh, decide that's a a weird one and then it's probably worth mentioning too that um, Jabril Preppers did not have particularly impressive counting stats Um, he's obviously a, a highly dynamic and impressive player on several levels but I mean, there's there's no one stat line that you look at and you're like, yes, this guy, you know, is Heisman quality kind of guy. Um, so, kind of a kind of a weird one, but yeah, I'm I'm with you that if if somebody's going to win it, it's going to be, you know, Deshaun Watson. If if it's not going to be someone named Lamar Jackson, but uh, I think at this point, fair to assume Lamar Jackson. As I continue to see that Vegas refuses to take bets on this at this point. It, any level of odds just it's over it's over it is so clearly gonna be Lamar Jackson so it's really been uh, start, it's start really been over since October yeah <laughs> like yeah yeah we can keep going back to you know to the again the Florida State game was kind of where everyone's like oh you know Lamar Jackson just won the September Heisman which has you know a various levels of meaning but uh, ultimately I mean ever since then that's been where the entire focus is. Like, nobody's ever really wanted to point out another player in the country as, like, a legitimate threat to, to take the award. And so, if there was any suspense at any point, I think it's I think it's pretty much gone at this point. Yeah. Um, it, it's been over since mid-October, and you and I talked about it. It's like, well, can a player win the Heisman in October? Because I think he already did. And, and, you know, I think the large reason why that was the case is because Lamar Jackson already had his Heisman moment in the third week of the season in September. Uh, when you have your Heisman moment that early against a really good team like Florida State, I mean, it was just kind of the perfect storm for Lamar Jackson. You know, doing what he did in September, winning the September Heisman, so to speak, and then doing what he did in October, carrying that momentum, because ultimately when the team started struggling in December, the lead was so insurmountable at that point, it didn't really matter. So. It was kind of the perfect storm of the elements, you know, having the early Heisman moment, having your team in contention for a majority of the year, being relevant, and then continuing to play well. And even though Louisville stumbled to the finish, 
Um, I think the fact that Lamar Jackson was still a pretty solid player for them, even in his worst games, um, you know, he threw three picks against Kentucky in the season finale, but he did account for a number of touchdowns in that game as well. It wasn't like it was a complete flop by him in the Kentucky game, even though that's the game, obviously, Louisville should have won. Um, you know, it was just kind of perfect storm of elements to give uh, Lamar Jackson this huge win. So I, I think that's kind of where we stand at this point. It's been over for a long time, and it'll be made official this coming Saturday. Kind of interesting that there's no players from the SEC included here, just throwing that in. Although maybe you could have made an, uh, you could have made an argument that Jonathan Allen of Alabama probably should have been uh, included in this. But in any case, it's a silly award, Mike. Let's move on. It's a silly, it's a silly award. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, yeah, we'll find out soon enough. Um, cool. Last thing we got to do here, Mike. We got a full bowl lineup, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of run through these real quick. Uh, we're not really gonna stick on any one of these. I just kind of want to cover when these things are happening, what game it is, you know, what TV network, real quick. Um, maybe we'll talk about you know one or two that kind of stick out as interesting matchups, and then we're gonna come back at some point here over the next week or two and preview all these in some format. We haven't really totally decided kind of what that's going to look like as far as individual podcasts or, you know, anything. But basically what we've got here is six straight days in which all of the ACC bowl games are going to be played. Are you ready? Let's do it. Monday, December 26th. I'm going to do these in chronological order. Attaboy. At 1.30 p.m. on ESPN from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan, the Boston College Eagles, who Bet are eligible. <laughs> Sorry. Threw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, the bowl-eligible Boston College Eagles are playing the Maryland Terrapins, who are also bowl-eligible. And if you're much of a Big Ten person, you probably want to throw up your mouth at that, too, because Maryland's kind of trash. Uh, later that day, 4 o'clock on ESPN2, from Independence Stadium in world-famous Shreveport, Louisiana, the Camping World Independence Bowl between the NC State Wolfpack and the Vanderbilt Commodores, Mike. Um, sorry, did you have something there? Uh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. We'll couldn't, couldn't be looking. Later. Yeah, I couldn't be looking less forward to that game. <laughs> Which is a classic Independence Bowl take. Um, yeah, but we'll preview it anyway. We will. We will do our due diligence. Um, Tuesday, December 27th, so the following day, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN, the Military Bowl from Annapolis, Maryland, the Wake Forest Steam and Deacons going to yes, be sir. taking on the freshly, without a head coach, Temple Owls, as uh, Matt Rule has left them to go take over the job at Baylor. Good luck to you, Mr. Rule. God bless him. <laughs> Godspeed. Um yeah, Stephen Deacons taking on Temple on the 27th in the Military Bowl. Moving on to Wednesday, December 28th uh, at 1 o'clock on ESPN from Yankee Stadium. Yes, sir. The, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl featuring the number 23 Pittsburgh Panthers against the Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, that should be an interesting one. Pittsburgh might murder Northwestern. Yeah. Later that day at 4.30 on ESPN. Uh, by the way, I think I'm reading all these times in Central Time. Thanks, ESPN. Uh, so at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. Uh, That's classic. I love it. Yeah. This is good stuff. Okay. 
From the Camping World Stadium, world famous in Orlando, Florida, the Russell Athletic Bowl featuring the Miami Hurricanes and the number 16 West Virginia Mountaineers, and that should be a super interesting and fun game. Yeah, can we pause, um, can we pause here real quick? Um, yes. Yes, this is the first matchup that jumps out at me. I know we're not really going to dive deeply into this, but um, these are two offenses that can put up a lot of points, but are very different in style. Obviously, Dana Holgerson likes to run the kind of spread option there um, at West Virginia, and, and Miami's obviously a little bit more pro-style. We're just going to run the ball down your throat and have Brad Kai step back in, in, in the gun or under center and throw the football around quite a bit. So these are two offenses that should put up a lot of points in this game. Obviously, a really intriguing matchup there, but two very different offenses as well. Well, and, and two teams where... The offense is oftentimes kind of the focus as people look at them from a national perspective, but have pretty decent defenses backing them up. So uh, that sets up to be a really interesting and a really good game, you know, for the ACC to make a bit of a statement nationally. Um, moving on to Thursday, December 29th, Mike, uh, the Belk Bowl from Charlotte, North Carolina at 5.30 p.m. on ESPN. Your number 22 Virginia Tech Hokies taking on the secretly garbage Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, and I feel like that one looks a little scary, you know, SEC, ACC, whatever, but I feel like Virginia Tech might be able to run away with that one. I feel great about it. There couldn't be yeah, a better should. team to play. Yeah, there couldn't be a better team to play against in the SEC unless you go down to some of the non-bowl eligible teams. God. If you're like me, though, you, you get terrified of the fact you're going to have to like, eat some words at some point. Yes. I can, I can never trust my own team at some point. Yeah. I mean, Tech lost to Syracuse this year, so, I mean, we're going to have to see. Anything is possible. Kevin Garnett. Nice. Okay. Yeah, Kevin Garnett. Yeah, you went That's to the right. Celtics game. You know. I, I did. I do know. I wasn't at that Celtics game. I wish I was. I would have been, been a sight to see. You'd be a lot more poor now. I'd, um, I'd be... Yeah, I'd still be drunk, too, probably. <laughs> like eight years later. <laughs> like eight years later, yes, sir. From that one night in middle school. Nice. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Gotta be delinquent at some point, I guess, right? Go ECC. All right. Um, Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Friday, December 30th at 2 p.m. on CBS from El Paso, Texas, the Sun Bowl, the Hyundai Sun Bowl, as it were. The North Carolina Tar Heels in one of the most, like, Stylistic clash, clashing matchups of the year. Uh, taking on the number 18 Stanford Cardinal. That should be an interesting one. Uh, later that night, 8 p.m. on ESPN. This is one of the first big ones from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Uh, Florida State's no seek, no uh, no stranger to winning there. <laughs> yeah. Miami. That's fine. Um, at 8 o'clock again on ESPN. Taking on the number six Michigan Wolverines in the Capital One Orange Bowl. That's a big one on the national stage. Um, that'll be a fun one. That'll get a lot of attention. We'll definitely be talking about that one. And then finally, Mike, on New Year's Eve, Saturday, December 31st, we start at 11 a.m. Uh, on ABC in, again, world-famous Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. The Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl featuring the number 13 Louisville Cardinals and the number 20 LSU Tigers. That's a game that's gotten a lot of attention nationally. At the same exact time on ESPN from Everbank Field in Jacksonville, the Tax Slayer Bowl, formerly known as the Gator Bowl, featuring my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and the uh, god-awful Kentucky Wildcats. Speaking of feeling really good about a matchup here, 
got to be feeling good about drawing Kentucky. Don't do this to me, Mike. I've seen Georgia Tech lose weirder games, man. It can happen. Georgia Tech by 14. Oh, God. Yeah, hopefully. They should, maybe. They should. Yeah. yeah, they should. Yeah, should. We'll see. We'll see. All right, I'm going into PTSD here. All right. Uh, and then finally, finally the big one here. Uh, the college football playoff semifinal, the second leg, actually. The first leg will be played earlier in the day between Alabama and Washington, but at 7 p.m. on ESPN from University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, the number two Clemson Tigers taking on the number three Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, who did not win the Big Ten but made it to the playoff anyways, and people got real mad online about that. But, mad uh, online. Hashtag mad online. Absolutely. Uh, but the Tigers going to be going out there representing the ACC in the playoff. So... Mike, as you mentioned, uh, the West Virginia-Miami game really jumps out at you. Is there any other matchup here that, that really strikes you as interesting? Well, you know, the college football playoff game, obviously. The Orange Bowl, Florida State and Michigan, obviously. But I, let's get outside of those. The two other games that I want to talk to um, outside of the Russell Athletic Bowl that I touched on between Miami um, and whoever the hell they're playing whatever I was talking about, Miami, West Virginia, sorry. Um, the, the two other games I'll be watching for, the Sun Bowl, North Carolina, Stanford, like you alluded to, the stylistic differences on offense, North Carolina, obviously, fun in the sun, let's fucking throw the ball around like 40 times, and then Stanford, um, doing what they do on offense, it's more of a um, grinded out, pounded out type of game. It'll be a last opportunity for us to see Christian McCaffrey in a college football uniform. Um, so that'll be just an exciting game from that standpoint you know, which team will kind of impose their will because Stanford's got a defense that was really bad at, be- at the beginning of the year, and they just kind of continued to improve as the year went on. David Shaw historically has Stanford playing really solid defense, so it'll be two very different offenses that can put up some points, but also will Stanford be able to impose their will defensively against a North Carolina offense that can score a ton of points in a hurry? And then the one other game real quick um, that jumps out at me is Louisville LSU and the Citrus Bowl. Um, Obviously, LSU was a great story um, just based off of kind of where where they were at the beginning of the year to where they got to, um, you know, as the season kind of progressed. And the whole Ed Orgeron element, now he's, you know, entering this game as the permanent head coach. I think that adds an additional element to it that maybe we didn't, we didn't necessarily see coming um, right when the season ended, but he was named the permanent head coach. Obviously, he'll coach um, in the bowl game against a Louisville team that – you know, has one of has the Heisman Trophy winner presumably uh, when this game is being played in Lamar Jackson and a team that guy has struggled into the finish, but definitely has the potential to put up a lot of points and hang with this LSU team. And I think it's a game that Louisville will definitely be able to get up for. Um, we, we saw them kind of play down to Houston. Houston's obviously st- was still a good football team at the time, but they played down to Kentucky the following week as well, kind of mailed it in. I don't anticipate Louisville mailing it in for this matchup. I think they'll get up for it against a very good LSU team. I'm with you, Mike. One of the things I found really interesting about this slate, and this maybe is not <laughs> as unusual as I kind of am imagining it in my head, but one of the cool things here is that of all of these bowl games, and I'll sit here and count, what, 3, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 of them, only one of them is against a non-Power 5 opponent, and that's a ranked Temple team. 
Um, so that's a that's a really interesting, and that, that might be a little more common than I'm thinking it is from, from ACC bowl games, but I was thinking there's usually maybe two, three games against G5 teams. So um, really cool, kind of some interesting opportunities here. Um, one of the ones we mentioned kind of going through was Stanford, North Carolina is really interesting to me. I think that as much as Stanford has at times this year kind of struggled to score points, they've been they've been rolling over here over the last month or so on offense. Um, I I do feel like there's a chance that that one will just be like a total shootout, um, but there's also a chance that Stanford could just run away with it if North Carolina can't control the line of scrimmage when they're on offense. Um, I think Stanford is totally built to just steamroll North Carolina's defense, though, and so kind of curious to watch that one. And then the Michigan-Florida State game, really, as much as that's like, oh, you know, it's a New Year's Six game with the Orange Bowl, like, that's obviously going to get a lot of attention nationally. I'm really curious to see what Mich- what Michigan and Florida State do here because I could see that being a little bit like the Ohio State game where Michigan's defense is going to hold down the score while their offense struggles to score against a pretty good Florida State defense. Um, and that's a game that could be decided on some weird, you know, turnovers, special teams, errors, you know, defensive scores, kind of things like that. Um, if, if Michigan is going to have a way to win at all. Because I, I, I don't see Michigan's offense being good enough to really score much on Florida State. And if, they're, if the Michigan defense isn't holding down Florida State's offense, then the Seminoles might run away with that one and in a game that could really help to make a statement for the conference on the national stage. So lots of really interesting matchups here. I, I think that'll be a really good week of ACC football. A lot of cool stuff. Um, again, I, I like the Virginia Tech-Arkansas matchup. I think that that has potential for Virginia Tech to really make a statement going into 2017. Um, yeah, lots of good football is going to be able to be uh, be watched here, Mike. Yeah, for sure. And of course, we'll get into all these bowl matchups, uh, you know, individually. However, we see fit here over the next few weeks, but we'll have the full previews of all these games. But yeah, I tend to agree with you. Um, obviously, I, I'm really interested to see the Michigan Florida State game as well. Um, for all the reasons you just mentioned, we don't have to completely rehatch them. But um, defensively, I think I think it's a game where Michigan can kind of hold down a freshman quarterback. Will Florida State get in the end zone enough? Will Michigan be able to score on Florida State against a defense that really played well um, for the duration of the year? Really, it was a tough September for them, but they really came on the last three months um, and, and played some really good football and you know quietly kept climbing the rankings. I think Florida State became one of the better teams in college football there after September, and nobody really talked about them because they were out of it and they weren't in the top four anymore. So um, when you're not threatening for a college football playoff spot, you can be quickly forgotten. I think that was the case with Florida State this year, even though I thought they played really good football down the stretch. That's one we'll definitely have to keep an eye on. But as you said, we'll, we'll make sure to preview those here uh, over the coming you know couple of weeks, I guess, as our, as our schedules allow for, which uh, have not always been uh, particularly accommodating here recently, but uh, we're still doing our best to make sure that we get to all these things for you. So um, hope you guys have enjoyed. It's been a good first season. This has been fun. Uh, we look forward to previewing those bowl games. Um, Mike, did you have anything else you want to get to before we get out of here? I'm good, man. If I talk any longer, I will just continue to cough, and it won't be a good thing for the quality of the podcast or for me personally. So I think we're I think we're good. Go get a cough drop and a beer. That's right. Hey, man, got to wash down with something. That's what I was taught was uh, medicine by my Catholic upbringing. 
That's right. I've been uh, same, and I've been <laughs> drinking since the Celtics won the championship in 2008. So, hey man, it's been a good decade. It's been a good decade. So, <laughs> let's let's have it continue. World Series. Yeah, why stop now? Right? <laughs> why stop now? That's the spirit. That's right. This is this is a train wreck ending. I'm all about it though. So. <laughs> Yeah, let's get out of here before we uh, cause ourselves any more trouble. That's right. All right. Well, uh, you guys can, as always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can also send us an email with your thoughts, your questions, comments, concerns, feedback. Just drop it in and say hi. Tell us you hate us. You know, whatever you want to do. You can send that to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Damn, that was smooth. I, that was um, very good. I killed that. That was awesome. We got to do that like that every time. Um, you can go and find us on iTunes. You can go find us on Google Play, and you can subscribe and review and rate us and such. Um, we would really appreciate that. Uh, we are also on SoundCloud, as, as always. Uh, we like to tweak the links out to this on Twitter, but um, there's other places you can find it as well, as, as kind of mentioning there. So um, please do so. But, uh, Mike, until we do the previews, please go get healthy and uh, – and I look forward to kind of previewing bowl season with you. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ACC. Go ACC.